Hey, let's magnify the Lord for a moment together. Let's just give him some praise that he's worthy of. Not based upon circumstances or struggles, but based upon God's stability and strength. You got a strong God. He's not just powerful, he's caring. Do you believe that? So let's just take a moment. God, we love you, we glorify you, we worship you, we honor you, we invite you here. Minister to us, Holy Spirit. Lead and guide us into all truth. Show us the way to go. Grace us for today and lead us into our tomorrow. Lord, we love you and we're good to be in your house. Glad to be gathered in your house together in Jesus' name. Can we give some love to the plaza right now? Everybody linking up. Those online and the men of Lansing Correctional Facility. Come on. We've got some big fans right here. We're big fans of you. We love you, men. An honor to be together. Stay standing for a moment as we just take a second to acknowledge the, the day of infamy and anniversary of today is 21 years since the attack of September 11th. A painful day for our nation uh, that we have responded to uh, with all the pain and heartache. We, it actually brought our nation together. And out of great pain and loss came a beautiful unity. And um, I'm not trying to connect the two with the last couple of years, but I would just say our, our nation now is so divided after a season of pain and loss as well. And I'm just praying that same thing that God did back then, that out of evil brought something good. Would we believe that out of these last couple of years and craziness and chaos, he do something good? We don't just acknowledge those that lost their life on September 11th, but the thousands afterwards in fighting for freedom and protection of our nation as well and their families. So would you just join me in prayer for a moment? We should just pray over unity over our nation. And we thank God for what he is doing in our nation and the more that we're believing him for. And just take a moment to say thank you. Our, 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 our country nation is far from perfect. But I promise you this, as a missionary's kid, someone who's been around the world, we have a lot of freedom and a lot of opportunities Others wish that they have, and we should not take those for granted. Amen. Lord, we love you. We remember the moment anyone over the age of 26 or 27 remembers that season, season of pain, of hardship, of heartache, and yet out of it, you brought unity. The years after, there were battles and wars and lost loved ones and pain and problems in the, our nation and the world, and they still persist. But God, I don't believe you cause any evil, but you can turn it around. And Lord, just like you brought us united together as a nation back then, would you do the same? Over all the places of division, we just speak unity. We thank you for peace. We thank you for your best for our city, our nation, this world. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us as a church. We love you. We celebrate you. And in a much lighter note, for the next 23, 24 weeks, it's a time of prayer, just on Sundays, once on Monday and once on Thursday as we pray for the Chiefs. They're battling the Arizona Cardinals in Phoenix. That's a city from Egypt originally. So God, we thank you. You were faithful to deliver them out of Egypt. We're thankful for a victory today in the most sacrilegious ending to a prayer ever. In Jesus' name, amen? You have to pray for the Chiefs because it's, it's all we got. We got barbecue and decent cost of living and the chiefs, okay. And wonderful people say hi to your neighbor as you grab your seat. On a note that um, connecting just the anniversary of September 11th, what you might not know if you haven't been in the church for a while, uh, is that was actually the turnaround day for my life. 
Uh, I was a missionary's kid, a pastor's kid. I was far from God. I knew all the things of the Bible, did not live any of the values of God's word. And God actually used that day of credible pain to touch my heart and change my life. I came back to God in that season for the last 21 years, not perfectly, but passionately. I've been pursuing him. So I do believe God can turn all things together for good. And maybe your situation, maybe coming out of season of pain or struggle or heartache or brokenness in relationship, I promise you, God will meet you in that place and he can turn that situation around. Amen? Hey, why don't we turn our attentions to the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. If you did not bring your Bibles, it will show up on the screen, Mark chapter 4. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, which is where most of you were last weekend on the holiday, by the lake. <laughs> the crowd that gathered, bitter pastor much? Jeez, okay, Kyle, get over it. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that Jesus got into a boat and sat, into it, sat in, in the lake and began to teach them from there as the people were on the shore and the water's edge. He taught them many things, and he used these parables. He used these stories to illustrate seen and known things to illustrate unseen and unknown things. Jesus begins to teach and teach and teach, primarily focused on the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom look like? How do you have access into the kingdom? What does the kingdom lifestyle mean for us? What are the, the blessings of the kingdom? What are the barriers to the kingdom of God? Jesus began to teach him with this parable, and he taught them this. He said, listen up. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell along the footpath, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places that didn't have much soil, and it sprang up. In other words, it began to grow quickly, but the soil was shallow, so when the sun came out, when the elements changed, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, and it grew up, and the thorns grew around them and choked out the plants, and they did not bear the grain. In other words, they didn't have a harvest. Still other seed fell on good soil came to the good heart, happened in the right place at the right time. It came up, it grew, and it produced a crop. Some of it multiplied 30 times, some of it 60 times, and others multiplied 100 times. One seed produced a 100-time harvest. And Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, people, you might be listening, but are you really hearing what I'm saying, Jesus? Jesus is talking about how the kingdom grows. He goes on later in this passage to say, the seed is the word of God. The word of God is the ways of God. It's the encouragement we get from God. It's the correction we get from God. It's the promises that are ours in Christ Jesus. It's the prophecies of things yet to come. God's word is God's way spelled out for us. And is it all clearly easy to understand on the surface? Not always. That's what the Bible says of itself. It's, it's a thing of kings or of wise people to dig out the truth of God's word. But Jesus is telling people that understand the, the agriculture, they understand farming. He was speaking in their language, and he says, hey, this seed is powerful. This seed has potential. If it gets in the right place, it won't just grow a one for one. It'll give you a one for 30. How many would like an investment that's one for 30 times? How many would like a one for 60? One for 100? Oh, praise Jesus. We'll take more of those. 
And so he says, if it gets in the right place at the right time, it actually has a miracle of multiplication. God's word works for greater things than you know. It, it produces heaven through your life. When the heart gets right, and you know how to hold that seed, more of heaven shows up in your life. This is what we believe at Kingdom City Church. We are building people that bring heaven to earth. So if we're gonna bring heaven to earth, we need to learn how to have God's word in our lives as his ways. Will we get it right all the time? Not at all. That's why we need the grace of God. But if you find yourself in a broken place, in a barren place, in a dry place, there might be something stopping the seed. We all have these things in our life, these barriers in our heart, in our life, in our mind that stops what God is trying to build in you and through you. So in the spirit of kingdom come, we're gonna spend a few weeks talking about the kingdom of God. And today we're gonna talk about seed, soil, and surrender. You need the seed and all of us have access to it. The soil is up to you. And when we learn to surrender to God's timing as we hold on to his word, that's the kind of heart in place where God can bring the 30, 60, 100 fold. He can bring more in your relationships, more in your marriage, more in your parenting, more in your career, more fruit of the spirit. Because when you're thinking multiplication, it's not just, we're not talking about your money. We're talking about everything of the kingdom. It says in Hebrews, uh, I think in the book of James as well, that there's a harvest of righteousness. In other words, the right thing of God grows in your life. The Bible also gives us a list. It's called the fruit of the spirit. What does the kingdom grow in our lives? It grows love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, long-suffering. No one claps for that one. But we like the others. These things that God wants to grow, not just for you, but the kingdom of God, because it isn't just about you, it's what, he does, it's what he does through you. But the kingdom cannot grow in unprepared, untilled, unprotected ground. There's a deep in the remote tundra of Norway, in fact, way up north in one of the islands, just 800 miles from the North Pole. There is a heavily protected facility. It is buried 430 feet into the side of a mountain. It is kept on the inside of this vault, a bone-chilling zero degrees Fahrenheit. There is a series of key-coated air-locked vault doors, each one stronger than the one before. It's in one of the most remote places in the world. Sometimes the snow is 10 feet deep. And they don't have any human guards because naturally God has provided them with polar bears. It's real. You think the polar bears at the zoo are cute. These are not those bears. These are 1,500-pound monsters that live up there. Now, it's been set up in a way, if the power was to fail because of a world war or a, a crazy uh, climate shift, that for 200 years, everything in the vault would be protected and preserved. It's one of the safest places on Earth. The nations of the Earth got together and assembled this vault and they went to great lengths to protect it and keep it. It really is a bank. What's in that bank? Is it gold, platinum, diamonds, Bitcoin? I don't know. Well, I do know. It's not anything that we would call valuable, but these experts in the, the human experience and experts 
in the world think this is one of the place, things we need to keep the safest. It's a seed bank. In it has over six million seeds, samples from all the crops of all over the world. I mean, things that are so similar, but they're just different enough that they preserve them and they keep them safe and sound. In fact, if World War III broke out for 200 years, it would be safe and sound because the experts of the world think it's pretty important to sustain human life. If we don't have food one day, we won't have life the next day. They think it's pretty important to protect seeds. So does Jesus. Jesus says, if you don't have my word in you, you won't have my life in you. If you don't have my ways in you, you won't make a way to the place you're called to go. If you don't protect it, I can't promote you. If you don't heed it, I can't help you. If you don't guard it, I can't grow you. This is the way the kingdom works. If you want kingdom come in your life, you've got to learn to protect the word. You've got to learn to protect the seed. It is vital to grow to life, to righteousness, to the fruit of the spirit. In fact, if we want to see revival in our city, it starts with us not preaching. It starts with us protecting. It starts with us growing the garden of our own soul so out, the fruit of our life brings the fragrance of heaven to a dying and hungry world out there. We would have something to feed them. We would have real fruit in our life, in our hearts. So in Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus ministering to which probably the largest crowd that he's ever spoken to up to this point. So large that he uses a boat as a pulpit. And they gather on the seashore and he tells them the story. And like usually, most of them don't get it. Afterwards, he's gathered with a smaller group. He says, hey, you want me to explain what I was just talking about? And the disciples are like, yeah, we, we already understand. But, but tell us anyway, just so we make sure you know what you're talking about. And so Jesus says, here, let me explain. And he says, if you don't understand this parable, then how will you understand any parable? It's really interesting that he says that. He says, if you don't understand how God's ways work in your heart, you will never understand anything else God wants to do. If you don't get this one, you can't get the rest of them. So Jesus is saying to guard the seed in the soil of your heart is the most important primary thing you need to learn first. If you can't get this, you can't get the rest. The farmer sows the word. So Jesus has told us it's not a seed, it's my word. It's my ways. It's my correction. It's my encouragement. It's my promises. Some people are like the seed. It's on the path. The word is sown. As soon as they hear it, the enemy, Satan, who's a bird in this case, comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. In other words, it never gets down in the soil. It's eaten on the surface. Other is a seed sown in the rocky places. It's the kind of people that hear the word and they receive it with joy. They get all excited in the moment but it doesn't take any roots, and it's only a little bit of time before some sort of problem, the sun comes up, the climate changes, there's persecution, and it quickly falls away, it withers. Still others like seed among the thorns, they hear the word, but there's all sorts of worry in their life. There's worries, there's the deceitfulness of wealth. In other words, they have their priorities out of place, they're desiring other things that they don't have, there's covetedness, there's, 
there's distraction in their life, and it comes in and chokes out the God fruit, making it unfruitful. Others are like seeds sown on the good soil. And I'm talking to those good goods today. Everyone with me got some good soil? Like, word that's spoken to you, they hear it, they accept it. I would go ahead and add, they protect it. And then comes the crop, 30, 60, some 100 fold. Now, when we hear this message, we always think of, ah, oh, there's bad people out there that can't really accept Jesus. There's those out there that they just have a shallow faith. Uh, there's the people out there, I, I have Jesus, I've received Jesus as my Savior, so I'm obviously the good soil. I'm not one of those others. I think every one of us would like to think that we're, we're that fourth type of field, we're that fourth type of soil, we're that fourth type of person, that we're always ready for the hundredfold. And I would say, although Jesus is talking about different statuses of different types of people's heart, I would go on to say that there's probably a few fields or fractures, or fractions in our hearts that have some different climates of soil. I would say for some of us, when it comes to receiving salvation, good soil. And then others, when it comes to walking in forgiveness with others, barren soil. For some of us, when it comes to honoring God with, with the way that we love people, or the way that we lead our life, or integrity in areas of our life, good soil. And others, when it comes to that one little area where God cannot seem to plant anything that ever grows, we've got some broken places in us. And this is what we have, this compartmentalized Christians. We want the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of the spirit. But there's these factions and fractures in the heart where we won't let God work because we're hard-hearted there. We're barren there. They were distracted there. I don't know about you, but if there's 30 and 60 on the table... I want that hungy. Like, I want everything that God has. But even for me, let me, let me just tell them myself, there's areas where I still need God to grow. And if you look at one area of your life, and we probably all have at least one, where you do not see fruit, you do not see the kingdom, you don't see the fruit of the Spirit, can I tell you, it's probably because there's something in the soil that God wants to sift out. There's some hard ground that God, by his loving grace, wants to break up. If you are missing it in a relationship, in your resources, in your mental health, there's probably an area that God wants to get to work. And I don't know about you, but I want my heart to be like a well-watered garden that anything that God wants to plant in there, I'm going to protect it and cultivate it so it can grow to become all that he's called me to be. And I believe the same about you. There's several different things that we see. The first one is there's a person where the seed lands in a hard place. And if you want to take notes, that gets snatched. The birds come down, which Jesus tells us that's the enemy. The enemy steals it before it ever gets beneath the surface. You're the kind of person that is hearing it and desiring it, but you have a hard heart. It just cannot sink in, but, but underneath that, that worn down. It's, it's a footpath is what the, the parable tells us. If you read the language, it's the place where people walk. And some of you have been walked on. And some of you have gone down that road before and not got the God result. And the disappointment and the delay and the attack from someone else has caused you to get an exoskeleton over that place that God wants to produce fruit. 
And so you got to realize, if I don't have something growing there, why is, it, why is the enemy allowed to steal that thing before it ever settles beneath the surface? You ever hear a message and be like, man, that is a word for me. And then before you even get out the parking lot, you are so frustrated with that area of your life. It happens to all of us. We get excited in the moment, but it never settles beneath the surface. The enemy is a seed stealer. And he cannot steal your salvation, but he wants to steal the satisfaction of your soul. He wants to disrupt your marriage because you can go to heaven divorced, but your kids are going to go through hell on earth. And so the enemy wants to steal that seed of blessing and favor and unity in your life. You can go to heaven broke, but you can't build the kingdom with your generosity if you don't have anything. He wants to steal the seed in that area of your life. You can go to heaven fooling around with other people, but you will not have a real relationship that is significant and beautiful that God can breathe on without integrity. So the enemy wants to steal that seed. He wants to keep your heart, your heart hard. Like that, that's how I was when, when I was in college. I was cynical. I knew all the things about the Bible. I could repeat more Bible than 99.9% .9 of the planet. But I was prideful. Some of you, the hardness of your heart isn't your pride, it's your shame. Of the things that you have done or things that have been done to you. It just, you have such a hard time believing maybe in the goodness of God. Or the promises of God are for other people but not for you because of your problems of your yesterday. I'm here to tell you right now that God can sift up that hard place. The Bible says that he can replace a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. He can give you back that ability to love again, to live again, to worship again, to believe again, to receive his best again. You've got to learn to save that seed so it can sink into the ground. Psalms 119 says, I'm, I'm not just hearing the word, I'm hiding it. I, I've hidden it in my heart. It's, got a, it's in the vault, okay? There's no polar bears around, praise the Lord, but it is put away in a protected place. It says, if I do that, I won't sin. Sin means to miss the mark. I'm not gonna go off the mark. I'm gonna stay the course. I would bet you if there's an area of sin cycle in your life, if it's a place where you keep stumbling, it's probably a place where you've not allowed the, the seed to sink in. You gotta learn to protect that thing, believe that thing, that God's ways are better. You hide it, you hold it, you plant it, you protect it. Because we want to protect what produces. And if you're not producing, if God's not producing by his grace, something good in your life, it's probably because you have not taken your guard place and protected what you watch, what you listen to, what you allow to be said around you, the dialogue that you have with others, how you spend your downtime. You might need to work on your protection game a little bit so that God can bring more of his produce game in your life. Jesus goes on to say in verse 5, some fell in the rocky places, or 15, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the sun came out, the climate changed, and the plants were scorched because they had no root. Some seed gets snatched, some gets scorched. And I say there's people out there, you're busy, but you're barren. You're working, but it ain't working. You're showing up, you're steady, but there's nothing being produced. There's nothing, there's nothing growing. You have all the friends, but no closeness of relationship. You have all the right activity of a believer, but there's no breakthrough. There's barrenness. 
got the appearance of being productive, but you're not really productive. You can act like you got it together, but there really isn't no fruit. Why? Because there's no roots. Roots represent commitment. Roots grow slow, but they keep you there for long. Roots are something that you're anchored to. And in the last couple of years, it seems like everybody got uprooted. But I know I'm speaking to some people that are allowing the roots to go a little deeper than before because that is how you stand the test of time. You get your roots by establishing a kingdom mindset of guiding principles and priorities that you make your decisions by. I do not make my decisions by my feelings. I make them by God's faithfulness and his word. His word becomes my ways. They become the guardrails that help me, protect me, and promote me in life. And if it doesn't make sense and clarity here, I'm not saying yes to it out there. And when I, more I do that, the more my roots go deep into Christ, and then I'm like that, that tree that's in Psalms 1 that I'm planted by the rivers of living water. It doesn't matter what the climate is around me. I've got fruit. I'm green in every season. I've been uh, on the assistant coach of my son's flag football team. It's third grade, so it's, it's pretty legit. Uh, if you're watching this weekend on TV, I'd bet the over. We're going to run up the scoreboard, but... Gambling jokes in church. No one likes those. Okay. <laughs> Noted. I, I'm coaching, and, and the kids are great. There's a kid that shows up every week. He's like one of the first ones there. And he's the sweetest kid. He's awesome. But I promise you, he never listens. He is, I'm, I'm not confessing or proclaiming over his life. He's ADD or, or HDAD, whatever it is. I know he would, like, I just would, I would, I would venture a guess it's a reality in his world. Because I'll tell him something, like face-to-face, -face, like as close to him as like, it's uncomfortably close. And I'll tell him four plays in a row, and he'll do it for one play. And the next play, it's as if I've never met him before. <laughs> he just doesn't have the commitment or the memory. I'm like, were you born under power lines or like, <laughs> I love this kid. He's a, he's a sweetheart. He might go on to change the world, but right now he's really costing us. <laughs> and it's third grade, so I'm into like equal playing time. And, but I'll tell you, if it's third and long or it's the final play of the game, I, I'm going to have him close to me. He's going to be my little buddy on the sidelines because I cannot trust him to do it more than like, I have to, I mean, I have to do it for him. The other day he was playing the whole day without his flags, like they were on the ground. I was like, you're, you're done before it even begins. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> he shows up. He's super faithful, but he's completely unteachable. And I wonder how many of us have been showing up for a couple years, a couple decades. And the moment you think you've got nothing to learn is the moment that the growth of the kingdom is far beyond you. Because I've been doing this next week, 12 years as a church. And I promise you, I know less now than I thought I knew back then. I, I want to learn more. I've learned that unless he builds a house, I labor in vain. I can keep showing up, but unless I'm bringing and inviting God's presence in, I got to have him if we're actually going to grow and fulfill what he's got for, for me. Because some of you have been showing up, but you're just not getting any deeper in your root system. Some get snatched and some get scorched and then others get suffocated. You're desiring it, but it's distracted. You desire it, but you're distracted. Jesus says others grow among the thorns and that the worries of life, the cares of life, 
the deceitfulness of wealth. They start chasing after other things. And it's not that wealth is even bad. It just cannot be the priority pursuit of your life. They desire other things than God things, and it begins to choke out the seed. It strangles and suffocates the seed, making it unfruitful. He says the worries of life, not the responsibilities of life. We've got responsibilities. Husband, father, mother, wife, uh, your career, your business, to, to love and to serve. That, these are things that we're responsible for. It's the other things that not, are necessarily bad things. They just cannot be priority things over God things. And if we get them out of place, the enemy can then steal and destroy your potential. He can poison your potential by distracting you, especially with things you can do nothing about. And that's why you worry. How many had a lot of worries the last couple of years? And some people in our church with some real heartache, financially, loss of loved ones, it was real. And I don't, I don't minimize the damage of the last few years. But I would say for most of us, 99% of the things we were worried about didn't happen. 95 maybe. And yet it took up so much of our energy and so much of our focus that our faith got real low and our fear got real high. But I believe this. The Bible says what the enemy has stolen, God can repay back double. So maybe we've had a couple years of delay, and maybe we got distracted by the cares of this world. But if we can get on the right course and own that word and protect that word, won't God bring that multiplication into our life? It's most of the things we're worried about never even happen, and the enemy chokes you out up here. It chokes you out up here in your mind. This is why it's important. Next week we kick off groups. Get in a group with people that are going to rally the God call in your life. They're going to champion the call of God on your life. And I think my mind can just get at peace when my focus isn't my work, but it's his work being done. When the harvest is what I'm keeping my vision on. Now, we know the fourth soil is the good soil. We're going to get to that one in a moment. But in Matthew's gospel, it's the same message. But he shares one more little story that's not in Mark's. And it's the fourth kind of problem that we could be facing. Same sermon, different gospel, Matthew 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. Everything that God sows is good seed. What kind of seed is it? Good seed. Two of my friends here. The rest of you have forsaken me. What kind of seed is it? It's good seed. So the soil is up to us, but the seed is? It's good. It's God, and God's things are good things, and God's things will grow, and it's the kind of life you were always meant to have is a good life, a God life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life in its fullness, a life in abundance. So quit playing, complaining about the opportunities and start paying attention to the soil. We all got the good seed. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter how far behind. You know what? If you started with very little, guess what? And you still go up to your fullness of potential, just more space for God to give the glory. So don't worry about what's passed you by. Go ahead and protect the seed now because it's good. Start paying attention to the soil. But it says, why everyone was sleeping, he put the seed in the soil, but the enemy came. And he sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted, it formed heads, but the wheat also appeared and this is the fourth kind of problem that you didn't have much to do with. It was sabotaged, stolen by others' actions. Now, people try to stop God's promises in your life. But people are not your problem. The enemy is your problem. We believe people are the promised land here. But how many know you're going to have some problem with people in life? 
welcome to life. Because the enemy's after your fruit. And sometimes he'll use foes. And sometimes he'll use friends. There's people that don't want to see you receive all that God has for you. And maybe just in the smallness of heart. They've got that hard heart. And I'm not here to criticize your relationships. I'm just here for you to wake up and don't sleep on the people that you connect with might be costing you more of your harvest than you are willing to give up for relationship. Because God is always planting blessing, breakthrough, provision, help, hope, healing. But the enemy likes to worm through with pride, distraction, lust, greed, offense, hurts. And he'll keep trying to plant those things to steal out what God is trying to produce. And some of you have allowed a root of bitterness to get into your heart. The Bible says it goes down and defiles many. So you can have a friend who's got some frustrations and some problems, but you cannot let that root of bitterness touch your seed and get in your soil. And that's why you've got to be aware of that. Maybe it's their problem, and you can pray for them in their problem, and you can love them beside their problem, but you cannot let their problem become your problem because it gets into the soil. So we got the weeds growing among the wheat. And here's the thing. Even though he planted the seed and the enemy planted the problems, you get to choose what you water. Quit watering that wound. It is not going to grow into something you like. Quit gardening with gossip. It will not grow into something you want. Quit cultivating that cancer in the heart of someone. It will not produce what God desires for you. So I know this might feel like a correction for a moment, but let me bring it full circle to some encouragement. If you start protecting the seed of who God has called you to be and what you're holding on to now, no matter what you've allowed access to others in your yesterday, I promise you your tomorrow will look like harvest. It'll look like heaven in your heart and heaven in your life, and you'll begin to experience God's best and blessing in the season to come. You protect it now, and God provides a way forward. You hold now to it now, and harvest is on the horizon. So sometimes we got to clear the ground. We need to clear the ground because there's too many things growing there that shouldn't be there. And then we've got to learn, final thought, to surrender to the process. Mark chapter 4 again. Jesus closes this part out with saying, this kingdom is like a man that scatters seed on the ground. And night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil then produces grain. And then there's a little growth of the stalk and a little growth of the head and then the full kernel of the head. And then the grain is ripe. Then you put the sickle to it. You harvest it. Because the harvest has come. And this is where I want you to cultivate the soil of surrendered in your heart. That means you are secure and settled in this season. That means I got God's word. I protected God's word. I held on to that promise. I put it in my heart. And I am just waiting for God to bring it to pass. I cannot rush it. I cannot force it. I cannot manipulate it. I just got to trust it and surrender. My job is to cultivate the soil, and then my job, once it's planted, is to surrender. He's the one that brings the increase. Apostle Paul says when it comes to growing people in the church, someone plants, someone waters, God causes it to grow. You're the one that's got to protect the soil of your heart. But once you get it cleared out, you receive that word, you protect that word, and then you have to exercise the most difficult word of all, patience. I've got to learn to live surrendered. 
But the longer I wait for the harvest, the more tasty, more beautiful, more blessed the fruit is in the future. And some of you, you've almost, almost in this last season, given up on something you've been dreaming and believing for because the delay has seemed so long and so frustrating. But I've come to tell you today, there is a future harvest for you. The Bible says, all you have to do is not quit. Is not quit. That God will be true to his word. Some of you, it's time to get your dreams back to life. The delays you feel like have cost you your destiny. No, they haven't. You're just thinking one for one. I've done this, I'm gonna get this. God's thinking 30, 60, 100 fold in your life. You're thinking, just I just need a little breakthrough. I just want a little relationship. I just want a little peace at home. I just want a little movement in my career. God's thinking 30, 60, 100. I'm going to bring a multiplication in that place of blessing and favor in your life if you do not grow weary and give up. And we're living surrendered. It's a surrender season for us as a church says in that passage, he doesn't know how, he just goes to sleep. Wakes up in the morning, does what he can, goes back to sleep. Some of you have been just up at night so frantically desiring the God thing to happen. Go to sleep. Get up and do the thing you can do tomorrow. Go back to sleep. He says he doesn't know how. We don't know how it works. God knows how it works. So we're holding on to that dream. Just let God get to work. I would encourage you every morning you wake up, that one thing you're believing for, maybe it's 10 things. Get 100 while you're at it, I don't care. Say, God, I'm giving it to you. But I just thank you. The longer I wait, the, the better it's, it must be. Maybe if I'm waiting right now, I'm in, I'm, I'm in between that 30, 60 zone. Okay, if you want me to wait for the 100, I can wait for that, because I'm trusting you. I'm living surrendered in the soil and the status of my heart. If you do not have a promise of God you're believing right now, you are bankrupting the harvest of your future. That's your homework this week. I'm getting one promise in God's word. I encourage you to start in the New Testament. I'm getting one promise for God's word for my relationships, for my marriage, for my mindset, for my health, for my heart, for my future, for my family. I'm gonna get one and I'm gonna bury it in my good soil. I'm gonna protect it in my heart. I'm not giving up on it no matter what. And I'm gonna go to sleep. And I'm gonna get up in the morning knowing that his grace and mercy woke me up today. I'm gonna praise him for what he's doing. I can't see it growing, but I'm gonna hold on to it in that place. I'm gonna go to sleep tomorrow. And I'm gonna wake up. I'm believing for revival in Kansas City and let it start in your life and the people of our church. I pray for blessing and favor to fall on Kingdom City Church families like never before. And I can't see it all the time, but you know what? I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. I'm gonna pray that blessing and favor follows your life. And before you know it, over time, every single one of us start getting that 30, that 60, that 100 in God's areas of our life. And the fruit of this harvest of righteousness and the fruit of the Spirit becomes so attractive to the world around us, we cannot help but share the hope of heaven that we have in our hearts. Do you believe that? On the plaza up north, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. If you believe in God for something and you've given up on it, and maybe there's been a hard-hearted place in your life where you feel like the enemy just re over time just continues to return and steal, whatever it might be, maybe there's just a challenge that you haven't protected or planted the good things that God wants you to grow, whatever it is. If you just need God's help in the harvest of your future, can you just lift up your hand right where you're at on the Plaza North? Come on, hands are up all over. You're believing God for something great. I don't know about you, I got my hand up right here, right now. I want God's best. I want 30, 60, 100. 
in every area of my life. God, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for your faithful word. God, I thank you for every promise. I thank you for every bit of correction and direction in your word. We want it all. We don't want just the good verses that make us feel good in the moment. We want the ones that produce godliness and change in our life. Where we have allowed cynicism or hard-heartedness to stop what you've tried to plant, God, break open the barren soil again. Where the cares of this world have choked out our focus on your faithfulness. We got distracted and detoured, chasing wrong destiny. God, I thank you, we're coming back to you. Lord, where we've given up hope on a dream, we're reviving our perspective. Where the enemy has stolen, you're going to repay. And we're believing not just for a little, we're believing for 30, for 60, for a hundredfold in our families, in our futures, because you are a faithful God. We refuse to quit knowing there is a harvest of righteousness on the horizon. Lord, we believe it and we declare it. Tonight when we go to sleep, we're trusting you're working all things for good in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, can we praise him ahead of time like it's happening right now in our hearts? Come on, let's worship him.